You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a Thursday on the Blogging the Boys podcast network powered by SB Nation, and that means one thing. It's time to get riled up on the Dallas Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle and myself, Roy White, bringing it to you on a Thursday again, powered by our friends at SB Nation. And boy, uh, just two short weeks away, Tom. Two weeks from now, we will be looking at the Cowboys and potentially who they may be taking in the first round of the NFL draft. It's exciting that we're almost to that point. Uh, we Christmas actually have some in April. Sorry? Christmas in April. A <laughs> to that. And we actually have some actual NFL team news that we'll get to here later on in the podcast because there's some schedule things to be mindful of when it comes to what they're doing in the offseason, even before the NFL draft gets started. But that is where most Cowboys fans are focused on at this moment. And in this particular podcast, and to start things off, we'd really like to start with where the Cowboys mentally will be when they make their selection on Thursday night with the 10th overall pick. And as you and I discussed, Tom, they've got three options, right? Mm -hmm. It's trade up, trade down, or sit pat and make the selection. And we wanted to look at each one of those options in depth. What would it take to trade up and who might they trade for? If they sit pat, who might they be expecting to fall to them? And if there were options to trade back in the first round, which ones kind of make sense? You've already done a pair of articles on the Blogging the Boys mm-hmm. Network, and I encourage those listening to check that out at bloggingtheboys.com. As uh, you've taken a look at maybe what they may be able to do from a trading up standpoint and what they might do if the cards fall their way. So where would you like to start? I think – you know, the obvious one for Cowboys fans, just to get it out of the way, the trading up scenario, what might it take for the Cowboys to move up? Where might they move up to? And what might it cost them, Tom? Where are your thoughts and targets in that area? I think my general philosophy on, on trading up in the first round is there's only one real situation where I think trading up uh, can pay off uh, with a net positive for you. That's when you need a franchise quarterback and you think you can trade up and get him, which obviously is not the Cowboys. Um, There have been some people talking. The name that always comes up is, well, what if they think they can get Kyle Pitts? And just putting aside the whole thing about whether you want to do that for a tight end. In general. Wide receiver, Tom. Don't call him a tight end. Yeah, well, weapon, offensive weapon, Kyle Pitts. Let's call him that. Um, Anybody outside of the quarterback, I don't think, is going to bring you enough value 
to make up for what you lose in having to trade up for the spot because you're going to have to give up some draft capital to do it. Um, and, and I just don't see that the Cowboys are in that position. And, and this year, I don't think the, there's any great talent differential that jumps out. Um, and as I said, I just don't see the, any particular position out there because the only, the only players that really would even factor into it that could go ahead outside of the group of quarterbacks that we know, uh, that we think we know are going to get taken before the Cowboys go on. You've got Pitts, you've got uh, Sewell and Slater, the offensive tackles that might be attractive, and a bunch of wide receivers. None of that is a place where the Cowboys are really going to improve their team a great amount, a great enough amount to make them more of a contender. You know, it, it's, it's because you, you give up probably two picks on day two to get there. And to me, that just doesn't factor in. I, I don't see the Cowboys as being in the trade up market. Um, yeah, there's been, you know, reports that Jerry Jones is infatuated with Pitts and might want to do that. And I certainly hope that, uh, you know, Stephen or Will McClay or Mike McCarthy would tell him, no, we're not going to do that. Um, we're going to, you know, sit at 10 and then see what develops um, in the, out of the other two options, because the other two options are both things that I could see happening. You know, the second one, of course, is if we, we take the – I think the trade-up should be off the table. If, if I was had anything to say with it, it would be. And that's the, – the second thing is, okay, you sit at 10 and see how what comes to you. you got to like the way the, the, the numbers stack up because, yeah. Well, before we – just before that, I, I do want to for, – for the Cowboys fans out there that are still thinking like, yeah, but Kyle Pitts might be there and he may be the type of weapon that you would want to go after. If we're looking at the draft value chart, and this is one that, you know, varies, of course. It's, it's not always this cut and dry. But just from the draft value chart that was established by Jimmy Johnson all those years ago, the Cowboys picking at 10, that pick is worth about 1,300 points. With their second-round selection, valued at about 460, they could, in theory, move up to pick number four. The conversion yeah. would be about 1,760 points to the Falcons 1,800 at number four. Now, uh, like you, I expect that number to skyrocket if there's a quarterback there that a lot of people think, you know, maybe slips to four. If Justin Fields is there, for example, I think that costs skyrockets. But just to give Cowboys fans an idea of what it might take and what they might be capable of doing, I think with their first and second round pick, you know, Pick, trading up to as high as number five might be possible. Wouldn't advise it, but nope. it is within that realm of possibility. I agree with you. I don't think there's any reason to make a trade up like that unless it is for a generational quarterback because that's the only way you're really going to get the return on it. But, you know, if the Cowboys needed to move up two or three selections and maybe it cost them a fourth rounder or a future second or third, I wouldn't be shocked if they made that move. I would not be yeah. shocked um, to go from 10 to seven potentially in that regard. Yeah, it's, so on the yeah, st- it's, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not something that I would see as, as shocking as in, I can't imagine them doing it. I just, 
just to me, it, the, the logic doesn't work out because if, if, if you, instead of, 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 instead of pits, if you wound up with, with a, a, a Sewell or Slater uh, or a certain or a horn, then I think that the value you've gotten for the roster is as in, uh, has as much impact as Pitts would be, as as generational as he's supposed to be. And and let's be very cautious about this. We're still talking about players coming out of college that we don't know what's going to happen at the NFL level. Um, we've we've all seen surefire things bust. But we've seen a lot of other guys that came in and were good players. They just weren't as great as everybody thought they'd be. And that's just, to me, a, a little bit illogical to take a shot at a tight end, uh, to think that that's going to come in and, and be the difference that puts you over for contending for a Super Bowl. Um, I, that 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 logic doesn't flow for me. Obviously, it does for a lot of other people because there are some that, that think that Pitts is the guy that the Cowboys just have to have. Uh, there are a lot of other people that the thought of getting a, a tight end in the first round is just a forbidden fruit. You know, you don't spend that kind of draft capital on a tight end uh, because it's not that big an impact in the NFL. Admittedly, Pitts could be used in a lot of ways that I think, you know, if he was sitting there at 10, it's a completely different conversation because then he might be the best choice you could make at that point, depending on, on who else has gone off the board. And quite frankly, I don't know of anybody else that would be a better value player, uh, even at the other positions. It's just some of the other positions are considered to be more valuable in and of themselves. So that's a very complicated thing. That's why if they're sitting at 10, then just that's where you want to sit and let the draft come to you the way they did last year. Because we all remember what happened, I think, because I was sitting there. And I remember when they got, got down to around 10 or 11, I'm going like, same. wow, nobody's taking C.D. Lamb. You know, and then with every succeeding pick, the pulse rate kept going up a little bit, you know, because nobody's taking CD Lamb. Nobody's taking CD Lamb. And then when they went on the clock, it was like, come on, pull the trigger. Take, and they did. The, and nobody, that, that's one of the things I keep seeing. I think John Williams on Twitter keeps bringing up the point, you know, saying that you're not going to have Pitts or, or anybody else there at 10 because they're going to go beforehand. Nobody thought that C.D. Lamb was going to be around that long. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's any reason we should we should regret them waiting for him to come. And you just look at the list of people that, that could help them. The ones that I've mentioned, you know, there's that's five players. They're talking about three, four, even five quarterbacks being taken before Cowboys get on the clock it seems highly likely that one or two of the uh, top wide receivers is going to go. So you're going to have some of that kind of what I think of as the big five names, uh, you know, a tight end, two offensive tackles and two uh, cornerbacks. You're going to have your pick of a couple of those at least. And to me, that's where the Cowboys would probably want to be at that point. You know, look at who you've got, look at your board 
take the best option there and, and just carry it on and get ready for day two. I, that's, that's what I see now that takes us in. Let's say they're sitting there and the phone rings and suddenly somebody is offering them a deal. They really can't refuse to move back. That I think has to be looked at. They have to really think about what's being offered, but you don't want to go too far back because you don't want to give up too much of that shot at getting a real blue chip player. But you could go back as far as say 15 where the Patriots are sitting right now. Patriots have questions at quarterback. They need to get a solution and it could roll out to where there's a guy they want at that point and they come calling with an offer that is maybe more than the draft chart says it should be. And suddenly the Cowboys have to look at how many extra picks do we get and who's still left and what's the chance of us still getting one of the people we want. So I think that trading back is something that could well happen. I think, I believe that it's going to come down to, they get they get ready to go on the clock. They're going to already know what's out there because these trades don't happen at the last second. People have already said, "Hey, if such and such happens, this is what we would offer you." And so the Cowboys would know who they would want to call to say, "Okay, you still want to do the deal? We're ready." And that's what gets kind of exciting because when you see those phones working a lot, you know that things are are being considered and something may be about to happen. Well, we've also seen those times where Jerry's kind of sitting there staring at the phone, expecting Mm -hmm. potential calls to be made or seemingly so, right? Because we're all looking at the same thing. We're all watching the webcam on the DallasCowboys.com website where they're showing the war room and showing the reactions as the picks are made. And as it gets closer to the Cowboys, we have seen times in the past where Jerry has stared at that phone while they're on the clock and no one's come calling. So they have to be ready to make that pick. Um, I agree with you, you know, just backtracking just a little bit here. You mentioned the big five. Um, You know, I consider really there probably to be at least a guarantee of six either names or positions that'll be off the board before the Cowboys pick at 10, right? The three, three quarterbacks at least, probably yeah. four, but at least three. I believe Pitts will be gone by that point, so that adds a fourth name. I believe one of the two tackles will be gone by that point. That's a fifth name. And then probably two of the outstanding wide receivers, six and seven. So even if you mm-hmm. eliminate two players from your multiple-player pool, as you mentioned, right, the – two potential tackles, the two cornerbacks in J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. Um, You've still got a slew of potential players that could satisfy what the Cowboys are looking for. So I think most fans are still in the standpoint of of wait and see. If they did trade back, the Patriots, probably the most attractive team in terms of being able to make an offer, right? Uh, to move from 15 to 10, you're probably looking at maybe uh, one of their extra second or third round picks. Um, Cause as we know, the Patriots always have several of each of those, but I would be a little leery. The reason a trade back does scare me a bit is simply because of the mental break that becomes, Hey, the giants and Eagles are now picking ahead of you again. 
right? Going into this draft, the only team that you felt like would have a potential chance to draft a better player than who the Cowboys were going to take within the division were the Eagles when they were picking where they were picking, obviously before they made the trade with Miami and now are sitting at pick number 12. So you got three NFC East teams drafting from 10 to 12 as it stands right now. I wonder if that plays into the mindset for the Cowboys at all that the deal that's offered, as you mentioned, of course, if there's a deal you cannot refuse, then you take it, right? If the Patriots are going to offer their first round pick, a second rounder and a fourth, then you obviously take that running. But if the deal is in the ballpark, you know, maybe they offer their first and a fourth and a fifth, I might be hesitant just because of the fact that my two biggest division rivals, and I know what Washington did last season, maybe they're the most dangerous team in the division still. But when I look at the two teams that can better themselves, you know, they're right behind where I'm selecting at number 10. Do you think that plays into the concept or into the thought process at all? I think it has, it does it some, some degree. I don't know if it's, going to be a big factor but I think that at least has to be in the back of their minds you know about you know do we really want to trade back and let uh, the Giants or the Eagles get this guy we really wanted and see see him wearing their uniform you know twice a year um, yeah I, I think that has to be looked at a little bit I think you have to be cognizant of the entire flow of the draft and you know they're going to be dealing with that you know, because the Giants are going to be right behind them or in that area, uh, you know, all throughout the entire draft. Uh, as a matter of fact, that they're in a position where they actually bounce back and forth in the second round. They actually go ahead of the Dallas a couple of spots. But then in the third round, they're right behind them again. So, yeah, I, I, I do believe they, they kind of are aware of all that. And so... Yeah, they're, um, I think they're going to at least think about that before they make their final decision. Um, well, ultimately, you know, it shouldn't play into the decision they make. It certainly won't play into if they select a player at 10, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to care about whether or not they're leaving so-and-so on the board for the Giants yeah. or Eagles to take. But when it comes to the decision to trade back, right, depending on what is there and knowing the needs of your division rivals – it might be worth it. Now, in, in Philadelphia's case, you know, I think they're probably looking at a wide receiver still in that spot, and I think they're going to get a very good one, right? Yeah. Um, you, you certainly don't want to feel like you're drafting in a position just to account for that. But, you know, that is a Cowboys need. That cornerback position is a significant Cowboys need. And I just wonder if, you know, Sertan or Horn become the most attractive option because of, you know, how much the Cowboys struggled at that position last season. Maybe in the second round they get a, a, a Farley that falls to him. But right now I, I think the hype around, you know, him, and, and I really consider those three to be in kind of a, a potential talent class above the rest of the group, it's hard to see and imagine him lasting to the middle of the second round. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're on the, the same, we're pretty much in the same area on all this. It's, it's just, um, I, th- I think the most likely thing is that they're going to make a pick at 10. And um, <clears throat> they're, you know, then, as we said, there's always a chance that something may get offered to them that they just, they just can't find themselves passing it up. Well, we'll be watching the war room camera. We'll be finding out if Jerry Jones is sitting there with his uh, sitting on his hands and and staring at the at the phone, or if Stephen Jones is maybe up and and making the deals now. As we know, he's kind of more of the phone liaison these days. Jerry picks it up yeah. to introduce himself to the players and and sound really sweet on the radio broadcast when we all get to hear that secret audio the next day. <laughs> it is uh, riled up on the Cowboys. My man, Tom Ryle. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at TomRyleBTB. You can follow myself, Roy White, at RW3. And coming up next in the podcast, right after the break, we will get into the potential misses that the Cowboys have had. Two pass rushers may slip through the Cowboys' fingertips. And what will the NFLPA's mandate affect and how will it affect the Cowboys offseason? We'll get into that next on the Riled Up on the Cowboys podcast, powered by SB Nation. Back on the pod on a Thursday, every Thursday, right here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, brought to you by SB Nation, my man Tom Ryle, and myself, RW3 on Twitter, Roy White, bringing it to you. And we got some more news the Cowboys not necessarily involved in it, but we did get a high-profile pass rusher signed this week by the name of Jadavion Clowney. $8 million to the Cleveland Browns with an opportunity to make another $2 million in incentives. I wanted to get your thoughts, Tom, because this is an area that a lot of people think the Cowboys are still searching to find um, some competent pass rushers to complement Demarcus Lawrence on the other side. Jadavion Clowney, in a lot of people's minds – might have fit that bill. Did the Cowboys miss an opportunity based on the amount of money he'll be getting now in Cleveland? Again, $8 million base on a one-year deal with the chance to earn another $2 million in incentives. Well, for good or bad, I think that was just a price tag that, that the Cowboys weren't going to go after. Uh, you know, they're definitely taking the economical route to put it kindly, uh, in free agency this you year. Say cheap. I, it's okay to say cheap. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, squeezing the penny until Lincoln screamed. Um, <laughs> they, they, uh, I don't, I just don't think they were going to be in 
for that price. I haven't seen, uh, you know, that they, they got him a bargain guy in uh, Basham they signed. Um, and I just don't think they're looking for anything else in that area until after the draft. And then they might look and see if they still like they uh, need to fill a hole there. Urban was kind of a bargain what, guy too. Um, you know, not quite like uh, – Obviously, he has his specialty, but I think his specialty is not exactly in high demand in the NFL unless you really suck at it. And the Cowboys yeah. really sucked at run defense a season ago. So a guy like, you know, Urban comes here and, and fits the bill. And, and I think you still kind of get him on the cheap relative to what pass rushers cost in general on the market because – no one really gives a rat's ass about their pass rushing, you know, or, or their uh, their run stopping ability, unless you literally cannot stop the run. Yeah, and I think that was for the Cowboys. They saw that clearly as the bigger need with what happened with the defense last year. Uh, the the run was just messing them up game after game after game, yeah. and so I think they feel like they've done something adequate there. And so I just don't think they were that interested in a pass rusher in the lead up to the draft. Uh, you know, that's just, I just don't think it was really on the radar. So it didn't surprise me at all when he signed somewhere else that the Cowboys weren't really in the the mix for that. That just seemed to fall in line with everything we've seen so far. Well, I do agree. I mean, I'm not surprised the Cowboys weren't in the mix. I just wonder if Cowboys fans would have liked to have seen him and their team be involved in that negotiations. Now, you know, on the flip side of that, hasn't really had a sack in over two years. Uh, two seasons yeah. ago when he played with the Seattle Seahawks, he had three sacks in a single season. Last year with the Titans, he basically got hurt within the first couple of weeks of the season, missed the rest of the regular season, and did not record a sack. So – understandably why the Cowboys maybe weren't in a hurry to sign him up for $8 million base with a $2 million incentive. I could see why that made sense for the Browns trying to find somebody opposite miles Garrett as they've been kind of, you know, running different people through that position, hoping somebody sticks for the Cowboys though, that, that, that was too rich for their blood. So I yeah. agree with Even their if... ability to stand back on it. I just, again, understand the fans frustration yeah, with the and, fact and that you, they tend to be on the sidelines for these types of conversations. Yeah, you do. You do have to admit that coming off an injury almost made you think the Cowboys would have taken a look at it because they seem to have a tendency to do yeah, that. Why not a multi-year deal the way they've been running with those? One hundred percent. Well, uh, another player that the Cowboys may still have on their radar, at least early in the off season, we kind of got word that the Cowboys were moving on from Alden Smith. They were making plans without him. But as of now, he still has not signed. We got word this week that he is visiting with the Seattle Seahawks, a team that, at least according to rumors, had inquired about his services at the trade deadline a season ago from the Cowboys. So maybe we can expect a signing later this week. But if not, is that a pool that the Cowboys should be dipping their toes in once more? I, I, I just think their mind's made up there, that they're not going to bring him back and they're, they'll be happy to see him go somewhere else and hope that he signs a really big deal so they pick up a comp pick. Uh, 
Mm. Um, you know, um, his, his effectiveness seemed to decline over the season uh, last year. It, it, he, he it didn't seem. It definitely did. He was a fourth yeah, well, in the first half of the year, and in the second half of the year, he was absolutely overshadowed by the return of Randy Gregory, who, yeah. you know, when we really think about it and, and bring up his name, perhaps he is the guy they're leaning on to be their answer opposite to Marcus Ware. Oh, I think he definitely is. And I think that Smith was, was a bridge because uh, at the time they signed Smith, they still didn't know what was going to happen with Gregory as far as getting reinstated and everything. Yep. And he came back. <clears throat> I can't remember how long he had to wait before he could play, but there was a gap. So that they got him back and they didn't really need Smith. And I think that's where they're sitting right now. They figure there's no reason to go out and, and pay him. Um, hopefully, they'll be able to bolster the draft, uh, the pass rush a little bit more through the draft. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, I don't see that so much as uh, them missing out as just they made a business decision and they don't see any reason to back off from it. Sure enough. Well, Alden Smith did finish the year last year with a few more sacks than Randy Gregory did. Gregory, of course, only playing in 10 games. But Alden Smith, five sacks in 16 games. Randy Gregory, three and a half in 10 games, which actually was a little bit less than I felt like maybe he would have produced given how I felt he performed as the season went along and as he started to make his return. Yeah. Well, hopefully that if they get a little bit better coverage on the back end, the sack totals will go up. Amen. Well, we're all, we're all hoping and praying for that. Now, one <laughs> thing that may affect the Cowboys' ability to kind of rebuild that defense, get themselves all on the same page, both offensively and defensively, is the mandate that came down this week from the NFL Players Association. Now, for those that don't know, the NFL officially announced their off-season schedule. And specifically what we're referring to is how teams can go about training with their players, voluntary workouts, and things of that nature. So officially, phase one of the off-season program will begin on Monday as scheduled. Prior to the pandemic, this was a voluntary two-week program focused on activities limited to strength and conditioning and physical rehab only. This phase continues through May 14th. So we're looking at almost a month's worth of voluntary workouts, strength and conditioning, activities, things of that nature. Only problem is, as I mentioned, the NFLPA sent a mandate out this week advising players not to attend any voluntary workout programs with their respective NFL teams. Tom, do we think the Cowboys are going to be one of those teams and one of those groups of players, I suppose, that adheres to the NFLPA's request slash advisement? Or are they the type of group that will probably still be putting in the work, being in at the facility, and – trying to make those gains that it really takes to be a cohesive unit by the time the season rolls around. Yeah. Uh, 
I I mentioned uh, a while back. I wrote a thing about the three things that irritated me the most about the Cowboys offseason, and that was one of them. Was this threat of the NFLPA basically holding everybody out of all the voluntary stuff? Because of course the Cowboys didn't have any at all because nobody had anything last year because of the pandemic. To do that a second year in a row with another new defensive coordinator, I think it would hurt the Cowboys uh, a lot, uh, really kind of slow them down. And, yeah, everybody would be in the same boat, but <clears throat> they didn't do well last time, so I don't have any faith that they would be a whole lot better, even with, you know, having kind of switched back to what they used to do before. Um, but it, it does – sound like the Cowboys players have been more active in the facility than most others. I saw a list that there were like 25 players that had been under the rules. They're able to go in and do their own workout in the team, you know, the weight room and stuff. And the Cowboys had 25, which was more than any other team in the league. The, the second was like 22 players. So it seems like first off the Cowboys players aren't, really that inclined to do this. And the second thing is that they, you know, they happen to have a quarterback who built a football field in his backyard. And so they go, I think there's a lot of off the books practices going on there where they're just getting together and working on stuff. Like he's working on routes with his receivers and, you know, I don't know who else is out there, but I'm sure some of the defensive backs might be sneaking out there and yeah. trying to get a little work in and coverage. Got to post it on social media or it didn't happen though, Tom. Got to put it up on social media or I don't know that it's happening. Well, it, it was kind of up because I think it was CD lamb they talked to and he kind of indicated that, yeah, we're kind of getting together and doing stuff on our own. And he gave the at least the impression that the Cowboys were not the Cowboys players were not real taken with this idea of not going in. And I think it has to come down at least a little bit to how the players view their organizations as having dealt with all the COVID stuff. The Cowboys have superb facilities for that. Uh, you know, they, they can maintain the, the social distancing and they, they, you know, maybe they've just been doing a really good job so the players have a little more confidence. Uh, because my understanding is that the NFLPA's move was all about COVID. They didn't want to put their players at risk. Um, and, they, you know, the NFL is now going to have a requirement for all of the coaches and staff who deal with them are going to have to be vaccinated, which I think is something that, is is wise if you've got the vaccine out there although they're not giving the johnson and johnson vaccine <coughs> i imagine yeah i imagine not don't want but, that uh, six and six million chance to hit them yeah <laughs> but uh the uh, hopefully that's going to get resolved but we still got the other two vaccines working uh and let's you know this this whole thing i know there's a lot of political furor about the idea of having a vaccine passport. Well, I'm sorry. This is uh, businesses, I think, and, you know, if you don't like it, then take it to the court. But businesses can require this. You know, they can say, no, we have to have our people vaccinated to conduct our operation. 
so fine. Uh, you know, the NFL is doing that. And I think it's a, a wise thing to do. And I just don't know that it's, it's as big a concern as the NFLPA is making it. Now, once again, I don't have a good feel for how other facilities are. I just know that the Cowboys have the star and it's a great advantage for them, I, th- I think. And I think they've been trying really hard. I don't, I can't recall. The Cowboys had a few people that were on the COVID thing, but I don't know if it was actual infections or just people that had the uh, close contact situation. But the Cowboys didn't have a lot of problems with it. So they had a, they handled it fairly well, apparently. And I, I think that the, uh, you know, there's there have to be some players out there that want to at least get into the, the practices, especially the non-contact stuff that's involved in the OTAs, where you don't risk injury as much. So that's going to be very interesting to play out. Uh, to see play out, I just I, I hope that they're able to get as much of the offseason work in as possible. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I get the you know from what I'm seeing going around, they're still act actually negotiating about this, trying to get the NFLPA to back off on it. But we'll have to see if it if if it does go through that there is a widespread boycotting of the uh, voluntary stuff. I think that just puts the Cowboys back in a hole. And I, I don't like that idea. And from what I understand about things, which admittedly is not very little. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know a lot, but I, I just don't think that the, the risks that are out there are what the NFLPA is, is painting them to be. Well, I think, uh, and that may all come to a head, Tom. Uh, as I mentioned, yeah. phase one had previously been two weeks, now extended to four weeks, starting on Monday. That'll go until May 14th. Phase two, also voluntary, but beginning at one week on May 17th, that includes on-field workouts, including individual player instruction and drills, as well as team practices conducted on a separate basis that is where things could kind of come to a head. So May 17th is the number and the date that a lot of people will have on their calendars. Uh, Of course, the good news is also this offseason, rookie programs are back, and they will take place the following first two weekends after the NFL draft takes place. So we didn't have rookie mini camps back in 2020. Those are back here in 2021, but – It'll be interesting to see, and I do, not, I do not think it's over, right? Because it's no coincidence yeah. that the NFLPA made their statement and then the NFL announced their official off-season schedule that basically directly contradicted what the NFLPA was advising their players. So we will definitely keep an eye on that. Two weeks out from the NFL draft, yeah. and of course here at Blogging the Boys, we will have you covered from every single angle, make sure you check out all the other podcasts that are going down as so many of us will be heavily focused on the NFL draft. And we will obviously get you prepared for that coming up here in two weeks as Tom and I will have the penultimate show or the ultimate show before day one of the NFL draft. Yeah. And, and I just, in just to touch back on the whole thing with the, uh, the off season program, 
maybe we'll just have to keep in mind the uh, words. I believe it was Troy Hambrick was the uh, cowboy that, that once asked, what do voluntary mean? And we may find out. Bingo. Well, <laughs> voluntary and with a smidge of uh, perhaps pressure from the outside. We'll see. We'll see where it lands. In, in a way, it could prove to be an advantage for the Cowboys because they do seem to be a team and at least a group led by Dak Prescott. And this is one of those intangible factors that comes along with paying the guy his money. He has the ability to inspire and bring along players to come work out with him, even if they're not actually able to do so or even being advised to do so by the NFLPA. So I think that is something that plays into their favor potentially going into 2021, but time will tell and we will certainly keep a pulse on what is going on between the NFLPA and the NFL in regards to their offseason program. But for Tom Ryle, for myself, Roy White, this is another episode of Riled Up on the Cowboys brought to you by our friends at SB Nation, the Blog of the Boys podcast network, available with a new podcast every single day of the week. We got you hooked up, a fresh one every single day and make sure you get one of those mugs just like tom's got you can get it customized there the riled up mug that you can see <laughs> on our youtube page but uh for tom again i'm roy white at rw3 at tom ryle btb on twitter we'll see you guys next week peace out <laughs> <laughs>